0: Good evening tonight, let's stand and take our Bibles, or rather our hymnals, we'll get to our Bibles in a bit. 338, 338, we're going to sing, look and live, my brother live, look to Jesus, just like they turned and looked at the serpent in the wilderness and they were healed, we look to the cross and we are healed from our eternal sin consequences and given heaven, given a home in heaven. Let's sing it, 338, we'll sing the first and third and fourth, one, three and four, 338.
1: I've a message from the Lord, hallelujah, a message unto you I'll give. Tis reported in his word, hallelujah, it is only that you look and live. Look and live, my brother live, look to Jesus now and live is recorded in His Word. Hallelujah! It is only that you look and live. Sing it out on that third. Life is offered unto you. Hallelujah! Eternal life will save. If you'll only look to Him. Hallelujah! Look to Jesus who alone can save. Look and live. My brother live. Look to Jesus now and live. Tis recorded in his word. Hallelujah. It is only that you look and live. At White Oak Baptist Church, we are equal opportunists.
0: So we're gonna when we get to the course this time, we're gonna say, Look and live, my sister live. Because you you gals need to look and live too, amen. So we'll get the ladies in here. Verse 4, here we go. I will tell you how I came,
1: hallelujah, to Jesus when He sent me whole. me believing on His name, hallelujah, I trusted and He saved my soul. Look and live, my sister live, look to Jesus now and then is recorded in his word hallelujah it is only that you look and live and welcome to Wednesday
0: evening Bible study at White Oak Baptist Church I'm so thankful that you uh, take the time to make it out uh, here and uh, as we study the word of God together and get to know him better Brother Joe if you could bump me down just a hair I'm ringing up here on the platform I appreciate that all right um, uh, have you had a good week so far? Are you blessed? Yeah. Life, uh, life doesn't always throw at us what we want, but it always throws it better at us than we deserve. Um, we had a man, a man I worked on staff with. You'd say, how are you doing, Dr. Berg? And he said, better than I deserve. Amen. The people that are falling through the flames of hell right now, they would trade places with you in an instant. So keep that perspective as you go through the week. No matter how tough times are, uh, you have Jesus and you have a future in heaven. And, uh, you know, we'll get to heaven one day and we'll turn around and look back on life's difficulties and we'll say it was so short compared to how long heaven is. And that's what matters. So whatever medical pain or relational pain or whatever struggle you're going through, uh, we have a God who loves us, who saved us and is going to make us whole. Anybody tired tonight? All right. If you raise your hand, I'm going to be watching you. So no snoozing. All right. Let's uh, let's greet each other. We'll come back and sing that chorus in just a moment.
1: that chorus together words are on the screen here we go look and live my brother live look to jesus now and live tis recorded in his word hallelujah it is only that you look and live let's go to the lord in prayer
0: and ask him to bless our service today by the mark please open us Amen. You may be seated. All right. if you have a Prairie Quest slip that's been filled out and you're ready to turn that in, if you'd hold that up, and if you need a Prairie Quest slip, you'd quickly um, raise up an empty hand and write fast, but yet legible. Fast and legible. Anybody need a Prairie Quest slip or have one that's filled out? All right, uh, I'm going to go over a couple of these here, and then I'll open us in prayer, and then uh, we'll have a couple of our men uh, pray, pray behind me here. Before we do this, let me just uh, uh, input this about our prayer time. Um, the prayer time at our church on Wednesday night may not be the most exciting thing that goes on in church service, but I can promise you it is the most important thing that goes on. And so um, you may not get as excited about our prayer time as you do about the choir singing their best song or, um, you know, your favorite teacher or preacher at the church. But the, uh, the prayer time moves the heart of God. And so um, please don't be negative about it in your mind. Um, I would encourage you to pray while, uh, while the men appear praying. Either listen to their prayer or pray along in your pew. Uh, and spend time talking to God because prayer moves the heart of God and it moves the heart of the Christian closer to God. So uh, please be involved in that, okay? A couple of prayer requests here. Miss Janice uh, says here, pray for her grandson, Georgie, to be healthy. Um, He's having a problem walking. How old is Georgie, Janice? He's three years old. So let's pray for Georgie's walking. And then praise God for watching over her family while they were in a car accident. Uh, I was told they were, they were banged up a little, but all in all, they're okay. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord he was watching over them, so we'll pray and praise for those. Thank you. And then Marcia is asking prayer for unsaved uh, loved ones for their salvation. And then plans for the starting of our Christian school and then for the Lord to teach her how to be an effective soul winner and then guidance, direction and strength with many responsibilities. So we'll be praying for those. And then Maureen uh, Gizerni, pray for my aunt. Do you say aunt or aunt? OK, I want to get it right. Pray for my aunt and uncle as they determine whether or not my uncle can come home or go to a nursing home. My cousin Joe with a kidney, uh, he has only one and needs healing. So he's having kidney problems, I gather. Sepsis, that's right. Okay. I believe we have Joe in the bulletin as well, but this is a little bit more dealing. This is a little bit more detail. Thank you. So he's down to one kidney and he really, really needs healing. So we'll pray for uh, Joe and these needs. Any other prayer requests out there, Rose? The Stratford Board of Ed. So the situation is that the teachers are not being offered renewals? Some teachers? Okay. Okay. So we'll just pray for the Board of Ed and teachers. Uh, I know if any of you follow this... um, it was a big debacle that bled over uh, well into this school year. And it was looking like many teachers were going to get cut and lose their job at the Christmas break. And I guess enough pressure was put on folks to make that not happen. But nonetheless, um, you know, the calendar moves on and you get, get ready to do it all over again for the next school year. So um, there's some um, leadership needs at the Board of Ed. So we'll be praying that God provides the leadership there to um, uh, to take care of these issues. Okay, we'll take these to the Lord in prayer, and then I'll have uh, Brother Mike come up and uh, continue the prayer time. Let's pray. Lord, Any, by the way, any men that want to come up and kneel in prayer, are encourage you to do that. Lord, thank you for loving us, for being a God who showers blessings on top of us. And Lord, um, as many weather days as if we've had that... Uh, have been cold and unpleasant today was a beautiful day and you make all of them and they're all great but Lord I know that from a weather standpoint today was quite enjoyable and we just want to stop and thank you for that and Lord thank you for being so good to us for never ceasing to give us your compassions and as Lamentations says they're new every morning great is your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. that. Lord, we want to come before you tonight with hearts that are pure and clean, free of sin. So, Lord, wash us mentally and spiritually. And, Lord, forgive us where we have failed you. Help us to walk before you worthy. And, Lord, um, I pray that our prayer time tonight you would uh, be pleased with and that you would attend this meeting that uh, your Holy Spirit's presence would move amongst us. And Lord, draw us closer together as a church family. Draw us closer to you. We bring several prayer requests uh, before you this evening and ask that you uh, consider these and that your will be done in each one of them. We do pray for Maureen's uncle, uh, who is uh, struggling with sepsis, or rather, uh, who who is looking for... uh, the next step with his health, whether he should go home or go to a nursing home. And Lord, a lot of tough decisions need to be made and I'm sure this is a scary time uh, for this aunt and uncle of Maureen. So Lord, uh, give them the wisdom to know how to make that decision and Lord, lead and guide them with that. We also pray for her cousin Joe with a sepsis and down to the one kidney that's, uh, that's not working right. Lord, heal his body and give him that back. Help him, Lord, to know that You made him healthy, that you brought that around. And so, Lord, touch him and and heal him. And then, Lord, we pray for the many prayer requests brought here by our sister Marcia, uh, the unsaved loved ones that she's burdened about for salvation. Lord, would you work uh, in those hearts? Lord, it was neat to see many of her loved ones trust you for salvation at her mother's funeral just a couple of weeks ago. And those that did do that, would you help them to take those next growth steps? But then, Lord, for those that are holding out and have yet to do that, no doubt the seeds of the gospel have been planted in their hearts. Would you help those to develop and grow, and may the fruit of salvation make itself evident in their life very soon. We also pray for the start of our uh, Christian school down the road. Would you continue to allow the pieces of the puzzle to fall into place, so, Lord, that we can have a, a place to train the next generation up uh, with a Christian education that's Christ-honoring and Christ-centered and then, Lord, uh, we pray for uh, our sister Marcia as she desires to be an effective soul winner. And then also for guidance and direction and strength with the many responsibilities that she carries. And so, Lord, fortify her and strengthen her and make that clear. And then we take time to pray for uh, Miss Janice's grandson, Georgie, who's having a, a tough time walking at the age of three. And so, Lord, whatever is hindering him from walking, whatever that medical problem is, Lord, we ask that you would. Take that away and give him strength in his legs. And, Lord, we also praise you for putting your hand of protection around her family during a car accident. And, Lord, would you bring them closer to you through that? Help them to see and to know that your hand of protection was there, that you brought them through that. And, Lord, may they become more devoted to you because of it. Lord, we love you. We ask tonight that everything that's said here and done here would please you. May we become more unified together because of this service. In Jesus' name.
2: Father, we thank you for a a beautiful day. We thank you that we can assemble here. Uh, We thank you for your many, many, many blessings that you give us each and every day. And sometimes those little blessings taken for granted. But we love you, Lord. We thank you for your gift of salvation. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for the freedoms that we have in this country to meet like this. And Lord, I just want to lift up a few requests tonight. There's there's many in this bulletin. And you know what the needs of our church are. But uh, Lord, we just want to lift up a few in prayer specifically that you put on our hearts. Uh, we pray for our brother Sean uh, Singludger. His his mom passed away, and uh, I was talking to him on Saturday, and I know he's had a little bit of comfort that he's able to spend some time with her before she she passed away. Uh, But I pray you'd help him more with any loneliness. I pray you'd help him with any heartache that he has. A loss is always difficult, and I pray you'd be with him more than his family. We pray for our brother John Greco, for I guess he has a growth on his thyroid. I pray... Uh, The surgery would be successful. It would just be a one-time affair, and uh, he'd be able to recover easily. He'd keep him from any pain. And I pray he would uh, give you the glory for that, God. We pray for our brother Mike Scarpetti, that you'd continue to help him to recover. Uh, Keep him away from any pain, God. Uh, Keep him close to you. And on the salvation side, Rose Bacenti asked for prayer for Frankie. We pray, God, that uh, he would see you as his risen Savior, not just a head knowledge of you, but a heart knowledge. We pray for uh, Rachel Rivera, a prayer for Melissa Labley, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and and Francis Laws. Lord, we pray that you would touch their hearts. We pray that they would hear the gospel not just once, but, but many times. Send a soul winner their way. Help them, God, see the truth of your word. Brother Jeff Sturma asked for prayer for Bill and Len Sturma, Jeff's brothers. I know Jeff was, I'm sure, he's witness to them, uh, but I pray your word would take effect in their hearts, God. I pray they would look to you for eternity and not trust in their, their good works or all the other things that people trust in. Lord, we pray uh, for our government leaders. We pray for our, uh, specifically tonight, I pray for our Vice President, Mike Pence. I understand he's a Christian man. Help him be strong, God. Help him to make the decisions he needs to make. Uh, wise decisions for our country, not just things that are expedient or things that would benefit him or the President, but uh, to do to do your will. And I pray you give him the strength he needs, Lord. I can't imagine the, the pressure that's on our top government leaders. For our servicemen and women, I pray for uh, Jimmy Levine. Help him, Lord, as he serves our country. Keep him out of harm's way and uh, help him, Lord, and keep his family healthy. We pray for our sister, Pat Blake. I guess she's going in for surgery again, and I just pray you'd help her with that. Give her complete and total healing. I pray you restore uh, uh, her sight 100% and give her doctor's wisdom. We pray the same for our brother, Dave Russo. Uh, I'm not sure of the specifics, Lord, but I pray you help him with his health, uh, help him with whatever physical needs he has, and please bless him and his family. We pray for our sister, Gail Grant. I'm not sure how advanced the Alzheimer's is, but I pray she would uh, still be meditating on you. I pray your presence will be known, Lord, and you'd comfort her with your Holy Spirit. The woman's such a blessing here. I pray God, that you would just lift up our hearts for her. For our college students, I pray for Carson and Chase Barr, help them with their studies and help them to do well in school. We pray, Lord, for, for guidance with a Christian school. Uh, it's a big undertaking. And there's a lot of logistics involved and a lot of uh, personnel. And Lord, we want your will. Uh, we want you to lead that. I pray you lead this church in the right direction, God. And uh, If it is your will, you, you'd certainly give us the resources. We pray for uh, Robin Holly. You help her with the, the pregnancy. I pray, Lord, that uh, you keep the baby healthy and be with her family. For our missionaries, Lord, I pray for Steve Reyes in Chile. Thank you, Lord, for his willingness to go abroad and to do your work. Thank you for his submission. But I pray as he goes about uh, giving the gospel, that you, you would be his voice. You'd bless his, his ministry and the people he talks to. And as I always pray for people that are in foreign countries, Lord, that you put a hedge of protection about them. Lord, we pray for uh, Millie Dorn. We pray that you continue to, to help her. Help us as a church, Lord, to be a blessing to her. And Lord, we pray that you bless the service tonight and be with our pastor as he teaches from your Holy Word. Help us to... Put aside any concerns or cares that we have, Lord, and focus on you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: All right, let's stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 260. And we'll sing, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, All Our Sins and Griefs to Bear. 260, we'll sing the first and the third verses.
1: We have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to carry Everything to God in prayer Oh, what peace we often forfeit Friends, despise, forsake thee, take it to the Lord in prayer, in his arms he'll take and shield thee, thou wilt find a solace there. You can be seated.
0: Alright, our missionary letter tonight is from my good buddy and friend, Buna Haas, he and his wife are missionaries. His wife, T, are missionaries to uh, Cambodia. I have the privilege of going to college with Buna. And Buna um, and I worked the same job and rode in the same carpool for four years. So we know each other very well. And uh, Buna and his wife both came to the U.S. as, um, as um, refugees when they were babies. Buna grew up in Long Beach, and T grew up in, Bo- in the Boston area, and they met each other for the first time in college. They got married, um, and then they, uh, uh, God called them back to Cambodia. He, did not want, he didn't have any plans of being a missionary when he, when he graduated from college, but God moved in his heart, and that's where they are. And so it's good to catch up with Buna by way of letter by Brother Hoss through letter here. So I'm going to read the letter. You can watch the pictures up there. Uh, some of those will correspond with the letter here. It says, A picture is worth a thousand words. I get a bittersweet feeling every Friday evening when we have to say goodbye to our brothers and sisters in Christ in Romdang Village. Our hearts are blessed by the faithfulness of these national believers who are often persecuted and ridiculed for their newfound faith. God is faithful. Here are some new updates. Uh, First, grateful to see the new believers' continued spiritual growth, which is evident by their lips and their lives. Next, uh, Faley, 47 years old. Uh, I'll probably mess some of these names up, but I'll give it my best shot. Uh, so Kim, 21 years old, and Sovana, 30 years old, all believed on Jesus. The spiritual growth of these uh, new believers in Ramdang Village. Next, uh, Poch, 16 years old, is a deaf teen who has been attending our Bible study. Please pray for her to be saved. And then the next one here, please pray for Liab Vanak uh, Bunna. Sought Jr. and Yen to be saved. And then it says, thank you for praying for Ivan's salvation. This past Sunday, Ivan Musto's name was written down in the book of life. After several sessions and many hours of salvation studies, he on his own called upon the name of the Lord to save him. Praise the Lord. It's a joy to see Ivan start coming to church. Please pray for our weekly time of a Bible study together. Pray for him to grow in grace and truth. Uh, Next here, John Cousy, uh, who is Canadian, was saved three years ago through our ministry here. It's a joy to see John grow in his relationship with Jesus these past three months. Through much prayer, Bible study, counsel, discipleship, and especially his personal study of the Bible, God's process of sanctification is at work in his heart and mind. What a joy it is to see him at just about every one of our services Also, please keep uh, his wife, Allie, in prayer. She made a profession of faith a couple of years ago, but seems to be struggling spiritually. They will be heading back to Canada soon. Please pray that they will get into a good church and stay faithful to the Lord. Please pray for Saray Pav to be saved. She is a young mother living apart from her family and going to college in the capital. A few months ago, she came to church for the first time with some really great questions about God. We challenged her to seek to know the one true God. The Holy Spirit's conviction is evident as she has been uh, uh, searching to know the truth uh, since that conversation. It was a joy to see her contact T and come to trust, uh, uh, come to church rather this past Sunday. We will be meeting with her soon for salvation study. Please pray for her to know the only true God. And then it ends. Please join us in prayer for our second annual family camp that will be held on uh, May 15th or May 12th, rather through the 15th. This is probably our single biggest event of the year. This year's theme is that God may be glorified. I wanted to close by saying God is good. We also want to say thank you for your continual love, prayers, and financial support. God bless you. Buna and T. Haas. So very thankful for the Haas' work, and we're going to spend a moment in prayer here asking God to bless their family camp. Men, you can come forward as we prepare to collect this, evening tithes, this evening's tithe, tithes, uh, uh, offerings, and faith promise-giving. We'll go ahead and pray. Lord, I ask that you would be with the Hoss family as they serve you in the Cambodia. where they've given their lives to uh, serving folks who... Um, are confused about how many gods there are and who the one true and living God is. And, Lord, what a great sacrifice it is for one of them to get saved as oftentimes their families disown them. And, uh, Lord, uh, it is a, it's a true decision that's made. It's, it's not one that's made quickly uh, or uh, with any sort of shallowness to it. And so, Lord, we pray that you give them great fruit as they continue to sow the seeds of the gospel and Lord, be with their family camp as that's coming up here in just a few short days, May 12th to the 15th. May you be glorified through that and through the lives of those that attend well on beyond the camp. Give them uh, wisdom as they plan that and the preacher's power as they preach there. Be with our rest of our service this evening. Bless the money that's collected. May it further the gospel both here and abroad. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, 306 in your hymnals, you can stay seated for this. We'll sing the first and the last verse of Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. Note for the pianist here, we're gonna sing a little bit faster than what's normally done. Three zero six.
1: Pass me not, O gentle savior. Hear my humble cry While on others Thou art calling Do not pass me by Savior, Savior Hear my humble cry While on others Thou art calling Pass me by Think about the words as we sing that fourth verse Through the spring of all my comfort More than life to me Whom have I on earth beside Thee Whom in heaven but Thee Savior, Savior Hear my heart word calling do not pass me by
0: all right all right romans 1 tonight romans 1 and we'll be uh, in the book of Romans for the next two, possibly three weeks, and looking forward to this study. Once you've found it, uh, uh, we're going to read from 14 down through verse 18, so you can stand for the reading of God's Word. once you have it there? And if you can't find it after a few seconds, just stand up and look like you know what you're doing. Amen? You ever have that happen? The preacher says, you can stand when you find it. And he, you know, they say like Hezekiah or something. Like, but Hezekiah is not even in the Bible. What am I supposed to do? Then you just stand up and open your Bible and you oh, yeah I found it's right there. anybody ever ever done that? Or you get like Ezra and Esther mixed up and you know, I can't find Ezra and you all are looking at me like Pastor, I think you're alone on that one. So um, how many of you for the first several years of your salvation use the the index to help you find? Where <laughs> you got the little markers right? so, uh, I guess going one book at a time from Genesis to Revelation, if you're here every week, then you know where to go. All right, Romans 1, 14 through 18, the Bible says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, so as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hath the truth and unrighteousness. So this title of the study through Romans is going to be Unity Through Understanding. Unity Through Understanding. Let's pray. Lord, as we endeavor, embark on a journey through Romans in the next few weeks, and we get the highlights of the book, the main points of the book, Lord, I pray that you would um, unify our church even greater. I think of that verse in Amos, can two walk together except they be agreed. And Lord, I believe that we have like-minded folks that make up the core of this church. But Lord, with the expulsion of sin from our hearts and a deeper unification, through a stronger biblical understanding, what great could be accomplished for you in this city, in this state, and around the globe. So Lord, teach us and show us where we can be more like you. And as we grow to be more like you, then we'll be more like each other. May we put our eyes on you and make you the goal. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So the book of Romans uh, was authored uh, by the Holy Spirit and through the hand of the Apostle Paul. Look at the verse 1 there of Romans 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. Really quickly, Really quickly here. Uh, the, uh, the term apostle, if anyone today tells you that they are an apostle, uh, ask them one question. Have you seen Jesus Christ in the flesh? If they say no, then they are not an apostle. And if they say yes, then turn around and run the other direction. <laughs> you say, well, when did Paul see Jesus? Well... For sure, we know he saw him on the road to Emmaus. That was the bright light that knocked him off the horse, Um, Jesus in all of his glory. Uh, Probably he saw Jesus while he was walking the earth, while he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Uh, We don't know that for certain, but many uh, many, many people believe that that's probable. And uh, not only did they need to see Jesus, they needed to see him in his risen state. So there's a chance he saw Jesus uh, during those 40 days he was walking the earth, but... For sure, he saw Jesus uh, when he was knocked off the horse uh, there on his way to Damascus, I guess it was, to persecute the Christians. So, Paul is an apostle. Now, what did apostles do? Apostles helped write the Bible, the New Testament. The Word of God's done being written. There's no need for there to be any more apostles. So, if someone tells you they're an apostle, then uh, you need to go to a different church or you need to not. Let that person have any spiritual influence over you. But Paul says here that he's a servant and an apostle in verse 1, verse 2, which he hath promised before by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Look at verse 5, by whom we have received grace and apostleship. For obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. If you underline in your Bible, I have that phrase to the faith among all nations for his name underlined. And here is the reason why the church of Rome. They were not getting along when this letter was written. All right. There was some there was infighting going on pretty heavy. And you can look at the last four chapters to see uh, that infighting it was all over Judaism versus the new Christianity. The Jews in the church wanted one thing and the Gentiles uh, wanted something else. So I'll, I'll get into that more in just a moment here. So Paul was the perfect human author for uh, this book uh, to uh, the church of Rome because Paul was uh, a Jew. He was a Jew. He was a circumcised Pharisee. So he knew the, the Jewish law inside and out. And at one point, he was the, the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was the one going about killing people in the name of Judaism. And so he was hailed. And, and you might remember the stoning of Steve, Stephen back in Acts. Remember, we looked at that a few weeks back. He was the one there with a the coach at his feet. He was the one overseeing the execution of that deacon, Stephen. So he was a Jew. And so uh, those that were trying to be in the church but yet remain part of uh, the uh, Jewish culture and traditions, Paul had the, uh, the authenticity about him, the background to speak to that crowd. But Paul yet could claim uh, the status of Gentile. Now, he was 100% Jew, but because he was born in a home that gave him Roman citizenship, he had that going for him as well. As a Roman citizen, Romans being non-Jews, he could claim uh, uh, that he was a Gentile and he could claim that he was a Jew. Uh, In essence, he could relate to everyone. He could relate to everyone. So as he wrote this letter to the church of Rome, those sitting in the the, the church audience, those attending the church that were Gentile respected what Paul had to say. And those who were uh, Jew respected what Paul had to say. Now, I don't know at the time if they knew that this letter that they were receiving was going to become the scriptures. I don't know that they knew it, but now we do know it. So Paul's. Uh, qualifications mattered to all the people there and everyone could unify around Paul and what he would have to say. Now, let's talk about uh, the church here at Rome. Now, the church was a collection of believers. At Rome. Turn over with me to Acts chapter 18. That should just be a few pages to the left there. And we'll see here that by the time Paul is uh, uh, in his third missionary journey, uh, the church was at uh, Rome was well-established, well-established. Look at verse number 1 there of Acts 18. It says there, After these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, and look here, lately come from Italy. All right, so he's from the church at Rome. Lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius, that was the emperor of Rome, had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came under them. So why did Paul cross paths here with uh, with Aquila and uh, his wife Priscilla? Why did he cross paths with him? Be- the reason was because uh, uh, Claudius, the emperor, her emperor had kicked all the Jews out of Rome, so here 's the history of the church at Rome, and this is so important to understanding the background of the book here. okay, so what happened was uh, the, the church at Rome started. you had Jews and Gentiles mixed together that made up the church, and it was like oil and water. they really weren 't mixing okay philosophically they weren 't mixing they were all there, they were all together in, in, as a group, but there, there was just this culture. Clash, And then Claudius came in and he kicked all the Jews out of of Rome. He made all the Jews leave. Whether they were in this church or not, all the Jews had to leave and they had to leave for five years. After five years, he removed that and let the Jews come back in. So for five years, the church of Rome just had Gentiles in it. And boy, when the Romans left, I don't know that they knew where the contention was coming from, but they figured it out real quick. The Jews left, and now you have the Gentiles, and, and, and now they're all of the same mind and culture, and man, they're really doing well. And then when the, uh, the, the, when the law was repealed and the Jews were allowed to come back, the problems came back into the church, and so you have this fractured church. The Jews over here and the Gentiles over here. If they had been using our building, they would have sat on opposite sides of the aisle, and they would have snarled at each other on the way by. Now, what was the uh, contention? Was it just simply, you know, at church potlucks, uh, some of them liked one type of food? And what did Jews eat? Hebrew people eat. Whatever it is. Hebrew nationals, right? Uh, It's kosher. Now, they eat food that's kosher. And uh, the Gentiles, man, they would eat anything. Give them a pigeon. Give them, uh, where's, where's Ernie? Give them bear. Right, they just, eat, they just eat it all. So there was this great contention, but it went beyond just that. So the Jews came back in all pompous and pious and holier-than-thou with their attitude. By the way, don't have a holier-than-thou attitude. One of the things I hated about Bible college was there were certain kids there that acted like they were better than everybody else. Any of you here ever go to a Bible college? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? The guys had a way of, of making you feel inferior. You'd say, hey, how you doing? They'd say, what's up, bud? When they threw the word bud at you, they knew, you knew they were just like patting you on top of the head like you are just some little kid. right? And then the girls that were really pretty, that knew they were pretty, they'd walk around with their nose in the air. Don't talk to me. I'm too good for you. Um, I find it funny because all these years later, most of the girls that were really pretty and most of the guys that were really handsome, they're all like way overweight, and uh, you know their lives are a mess. A lot, not all of them, but a lot of them. And uh, us rejects that just kind of went with the flow, we're overweight too. But you know what? It's all good. So it all has a way of balancing out in the end. Uh, but um, they, um, I chased a rabbit and I'm way off off, off track here. They uh, they 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 had this at holier than thou attitude. That's where I was. So they come back in the church after five years being gone. And the very first thing they look at him and say is, you Gentiles, if you're going to stay here, you need to get circumcised. I'm glad all the kids are upstairs. Glory, hallelujah. Um,
1: and the and the Gentiles said, no, we don't. And the Jews said, oh, if you're going to be in this church, you need
0: to observe the Sabbath. And the Gentiles said, "No, we don't. We're free in Christ. Jesus rose on this the uh, on Sunday, and so that's when we're going to we're going to celebrate uh, the Lord. That will be our day to the Lord." And the Jews came back and said, "No, you must eat kosher."
1: And the Gentiles fired back, "Stop the legalism. Just stop ramrodding your religious laws down our throats."
0: And the Jews hollered back, blasphemy, and the Gentiles got carnal and started cussing. No, I don't know that that happened, but there was this back and forth, the Jews and the Gentiles, and they were butting heads, and they weren't getting along, and you know how that works, right? If a church has a lot of inner, inner squabbling, how many of you here ever been, attended a church that had a lot of inner squabbling? All right, this church, I don't know that it's ever had a lot of it. Praise the Lord, if you've been here a long time, you don't know what that's like. I've seen deacons get in shouting matches and push each other in the parking lot after business meetings. I'm serious. All right. I've seen it. Uh, I saw two assistant pastors come to come to come to fists. They didn't hit each other. But I mean, there was some shoving and and fists were raised over whose Sunday school class the the visiting family was going to be in. So uh, I've been in some churches where there was inner squabblings. Praise the Lord. This one doesn't have it. Let me say this. If a church inner squabbles long enough, eventually it shuts its doors. So Paul needed to write a letter, and Paul was the perfect person to write the letter. And so that's why Paul wrote the book of Romans, to help them understand what the purpose of the law is in the New Testament, in this new era or dispensation. And uh, Paul wrote this letter to show them uh, 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 how you are... Uh, Renewed or born again in Christ, and what role all of these old, uh, Old Testament habits and traditions play into this new era. And his longest work, uh, the 16 chapters of Romans would become a masterpiece. I mean, a doctrinal masterpiece. Romans is the culmination of the entire Old Testament and Matthew through Acts. And how they gel together. Remember in the, in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said that he did not come to destroy the law but to fulfill it? Romans articulates how Jesus came and fulfilled the law. And it is a beautiful, beautiful book. Romans chapter 8, we won't get to it tonight, but Romans chapter 8, uh, for many theologians, is their favorite book. Favorite chapter in the Bible because it is just you—you could—you could swim in the ocean of Romans eight for years and and never uh, explore the whole thing. And so uh, we'll we'll dive in now and we're going to look at how this this church, this divided, inner squabbling church where the Jews and the Gentiles were not getting along, how that Paul uh, used great uh, explanation and allowed the understanding of truth to unify them and bring them together and you can be unified with others through a deeper understanding of the Bible and so let me just ask you this tonight are you getting along with everybody at our church? Is there anybody here you just don't like? No, I don't want you to say any name I want you to answer that in your head not out loud all right uh, we don't need uh, we don't need to create unnecessary drama but if that is the case, you and that person both have some growing up in Christ to do. Amen? Is there anybody outside the church you don't get along with? Ah, I got you now, didn't I?
1: My husband! Oh, he's a
0: jerk. My wife! Um, you, you you need to grow in the Lord. And they need to grow in the Lord. You say, well, they're rejecting the Lord. Well, pray for them. Pray for them.
2: Okay, by way of introduction
0: here, let me give you three purposes of the book. We're just going to go through these quickly and hop into the outline. The first purpose of the book of Romans is to uh, inform on the salvation doctrine. Inform on salvation doctrine. So the book of Romans is the go-to book. All right, really quick note on this. This is a good one to tuck away if you ever get into a a discussion with someone from a Pentecostal background. All right. Uh, or a Protestant background. Um, You know, people say you got to get baptized to go to heaven. You know people say that? You ever have anyone hurl that at you? Here's what you say back to them. It will leave them speechless, I promise, because I've used it and I've never had it. They all just sit there and go, I I don't know what to say. Tell them that the book of Romans is the go-to book on the doctrine of salvation. Okay? And say to them this, if it is the go-to book, on salvation, then why, why is it that both tongues and baptism are not mentioned anywhere in the book? It, it, it informs us on this salvation doctrine, baptism and speaking in tongues, nowhere in the in the book. You'd think if God wanted to include that as part of the salvation process, you think He may have had that put. In Romans, So it's not in there because it's not part of it. So it informs on salvation doctrine, and we'll be looking at that in depth here in a minute. All right, second thing it does is it inspires unity, okay, inspires unity. And the third thing it does is it intensifies world missions. Now, what Paul wanted to accomplish through this letter was to inspire unity so that he could use this church as a launching point into Spain To get the gospel to the Spaniards. Now, it didn't end up working out that way, but that was part of the intent in writing this letter. So, intensify world missions. Alright, let's jump into the outline here. Number one, notice the confirmation of God's righteousness. The confirmation of God's righteousness. Now, let me define the word confirm for you in the sense that I mean it here. Go ahead and put that up there for me. It's on the screen. To establish the truth accuracy, validity, or genuineness of, corroborate, verify. Okay, so God is going to use the hand of Paul uh, to confirm or reveal or establish or, uh, or verify the righteousness of God. All right, so the confirmation of God's righteousness. And this is going to be, this is going to sum up, uh, that point sums up the first four chapters of ...of the book of Romans. All right, letter A, notice His righteousness. Speaking of God, His righteousness. The very first thing it does is it reveals His power to save. It reveals His power to save. Look with me at chapter 1, verse 16 again. It says, therefore, I am not ashamed... Chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ... For it is the power of God, the power of God, the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So what is what does the righteousness of God accomplish? And that word righteousness is a really, really rich Old Testament term and with it, that idea of the righteousness of God as it is uncovered or revealed or confirmed to those who study and understand the Bible. What comes with God's righteousness is incredible power, incredible power. Did you ever stop and think about how much power it takes to wash away your sins and save your soul? To, to change or alter your destination from hell to heaven. That's a lot of power. So how much power is packed in the righteousness of God? Well, enough power to save me and to save you and to save any, any sinner anywhere on the planet that's ever uh, been born. So uh, Paul says here, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. And so I won't harp on that, but stop and ask yourself, are you ashamed? Of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I sure hope not. Uh, So what uh, uh, what does the righteousness of God do? Well, it reveals his power to save. Next notice, it reveals his perfect righteousness. His perfect righteousness. Look down at verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God. Here it is. Revealed or confirmed or uh, verified uh, from faith to faith as it is written. The that next word, read it out loud with me. The just again, the just shall live by faith. So those who are just and where do we learn that justice from? We learn it from God. Why? Because he is perfect. His righteousness is without flaw. It is just and it is fair. I had someone ask me on Sunday after church. They said, if God is so loving, how come he ordered the Israelites to kill so many people in the book of Deuteronomy? How many of you glad that you didn't get asked that question? Um, how many you ever wondered about that? Anybody ever wondered about that? That's a, that's a, that's a valid question, wouldn't you say? Well here, and listen, again, the point I'm making here is that God is perfect. He's just, and He is fair. You'd say, well it's not fair to have Him wipe, have Him use the Israelites to wipe out an entire race of people or an entire uh, population of people out of a city. You might remember that God had Samuel tell Saul to wipe out King Saul, to wipe out the, Amal- uh, the Amalekites. Remember that story? Well, here's the answer to it. God is the giver and taker of all life. Anybody that dies, God has killed them. You understand that? God can give and take life back as he chooses. In essence, he owns it and he leases it to us. We do, we do not own our own life. You don't own your breath. God owns that and he can take it back whenever he wants. He can take it back from any group of people that he wants, and he can use whatever means he wants to. So that's part of the answer. The other part of the answer is that God also is ever-knowing. So God can look at a group of people and see how that the sin of the fathers is going to affect three and four generations. And then the sin of those fathers, four generations, is going to affect the next four generations. And it's going to have this long-term impact on world history that's going to be negative. And God can look down and say, I have enough grace on future generations to wipe this group of people out so as to save thousands and millions of people from a life of pain. And so God, through His grace, sometimes had that happen in the Old Testament. By the way, a lot of times when God had these groups of people wiped out, there were things like incest happening, dads marrying daughters, there was sodomy happening. And all the diseases that are spread from that. And so God is allowed to do that because God is ever knowing. But what I'm getting at here is that this tells us that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As is written, the just or the fair shall live by faith. Who is the ultimate one that is just and fair? Well, it's God. So uh, what does his righteousness do? Again, the point of chapters one through four, uh, Paul is beginning to lay the groundwork out to unify this church. He's uh, very methodically and carefully articulating some vital truths to help bring this divided church together, intellectually unite them. And he begins by harping on God's righteousness. Uh, uh, and he says in chapter one that it is revealed. Now, the third thing I, I want you to note about the righteousness of God is that it reveals God's passion against sin. It reveals God's passion or his passion against sin. Uh, There it is. Look at verse number 18 of Romans 1. It says there, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And this next phrase is powerful, powerful there. It says, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. I have that underlined in my Bible. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The wrath of God. Look at that. The passion or the wrath of God is revealed. We can see the wrath of God. And we're going to get this in a minute. I want you to really, really focus in and understand verse 18. Because it lays... It lays for us the foundation of of what's taught and preached so much out of Romans 1, uh, which is the downward slide into a reprobate mind. Uh, uh, And so how does that come about? Well, it comes about because that is, in in effect, the wrath of God or the passion of God being revealed against those who live ungodly and unrighteous. And what do they do? Notice the legal term here. They hold The truth. They hold the truth in unrighteousness. What are they doing? That's a legal term. You hold something in contempt of court. They're holding the truth. They're they're, they're taking it captive. And they're holding the truth in unrighteousness. Now, how do they do that? Well, um, verses 19 down through verse 32 explain that. And... Paul, again, remember the context of, of what's being written here. Paul is trying to help this, this divided Gentile-Jew church unite. And so he's laying the groundwork for the righteousness of God and what happens when you get on the wrong side of it. Alright? So, this, um, uh, this uh, passion against sin, notice first from uh, uh, 18 down through verse 26... That it exposes or it's for those who ignore the creator. Those who ignore the creator. Look with me at verse 18. It says, uh, or rather we read verse 18. Look at verse 19. Because that, and, and remember, keep in mind here that this is 19 down through where we're going to read. The end of the chapter really. It is describing people who are holding God's truth in, uh, inside of unrighteousness. Now, with that in mind... Listen to verse 19. Because that uh, uh, which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. So in essence, God has created uh, uh, humanity. And so because they are his creation inside of their hearts, they know who God is. And by not worshiping him, they're going against their very nature. Please understand that everyone who doesn't go to church... And everyone who just blatantly lives against God, they're going against the nature of which they were created. Every one of them. Every one of them. Alright? It goes on. Look at verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Uh, These are all the intangibles, faith, hope, charity, Uh, 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 being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Nobody will be able to stand in front of God one day and say, you never sent a messenger to me to tell me about heaven because it says right here in verses 19 and 20 that no one is without excuse or there is no one that will have an excuse. Everyone rather is without excuse because inside of you lies enough evidence. That there is a creator, and if you will pursue that, you will find the creator in a relationship with him. No one will be able to point their finger and wag it at God and say, I didn't have a chance. We all are born with the same uh, uh, ability to figure out who God is. All right, look at verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Look at the downward spiral here. They go from knowing but uh, God, but not glorifying him. And then they uh, cease to be thankful. The third step, but, because, but became vain in their uh, imagination. And their foolish heart was Darken. That's the result of the third step, verse 22. professing themselves to be wise. Here's the fourth step. The result, they became fools, uh, and changed, here's the fifth step, changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Uh, and here's the result. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves, uh, who changed the truth of God, uh, step six, into a lie, and worshipped and served the creator more than the creator who is blessed uh, uh, forever, Amen. And then uh, the the result of this sixth step for the for this cause, God gave them up the vile of, uh, of affection. For even their woman to change the natural use into that which is against nature, and then you can read on down and, and it continues on with the, the, the effect of that sixth downward spiral uh, step and And the point here is not to harp on uh, the sins, it's to point out that the, that when we ignore the righteousness of God, humanity becomes perverse and broken, perverse and broken. Now we look at the world around us and it is perverse and broken. Now I want you to think in context of you being in this church in Rome and you've gotten this letter and you're a Jew, right? You got the Jews and you got the Gentiles. So the Jewish man gets up and he's reading and he says, see here, see here. He gets to the end of chapter one. This is describing all of the other nations because they are heathens and they are godless. You Gentiles have a background of this right here. But not us Jews because we've been inside of Judaism, inside the law. We don't have problems with all of the things described here. And then they get to chapter 2. And Paul is going to come back at the Jews... And get them. Notice there. Not only did, uh, uh, those that hold unright hold the truth in unrighteousness. Uh, that those uh, that crowd are those who ignore the Creator, but it's also those who idolize Judaism. Those who idolize Judaism. And by the way, by Judaism, you could really put their legalism. L- what is legalism? Is legalism? Please, please hear me right here, because many people misdefine legalism. They want to claim every independent Baptist church is a legalistic church. Legalism, by the very pure definition of legalism, is a church that teaches that you get to heaven through your good works. That's legalism. By following a rigid structure of rules, that's legalism. Legalism is not holding standards too high. Legalism is not cramming my standards down your throat. I don't do that. There are Baptist pastors that do that. I don't do that. But if I were to do that, that does not make us a legalistic church. A legalistic church is a church that ramrods, works salvation down your throat. And that's what Judaism was. You need to be circumcised. You need to honor the Sabbath. And you need to follow the dietary laws. That's legalism. And they were idolizing their Judaism or this legalistic concept. And so they're looking here going, well, inside our Judaism structure, we're not guilty of reprobate mind and homosexuality and all the other things listed in Romans chapter 1. So to the Gentiles, you all are condemned, but to the Jews, we're off the hook. And then Paul hits the Jews right between the eye. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, therefore thou art an excusable o man whosoever thou art that judgest for uh, wherein thou judgest another thou condemnest thyself for thou that judgest dost the same thing so he said look o jews you are not off the hook quite yet let me prove to you that this is what Paul's getting now. Let's read down through verse three. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. What things? Romans 1, 16 through thirty two. Uh, and thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Hey, you're, just because you're under the umbrella of Judaism and doing your best to keep the Torah, that doesn't mean that you're that you're outside of the judgment of God. You're ju- just as guilty of holding the truth and unrighteousness as the Gentiles because, yes, you've known the law, but you have broken the law in every way as a people. And for that, for that, you are guilty. Look at with me at uh, verse 17. And Paul goes on here. Look at verse 17. Behold, thou art called a Jew. Again, this is aimed at the Jews. And, and and you'll see that more as we read from 17 through 25. Behold, thou art called a Jew and uh, restest in the law and makest thy uh, boast of God and knowest His will and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. And art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind in light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which uh, hast the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Uh, thou therefore which teachest another. Teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal. Dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man shall not commit adultery. Dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols. Dost thou commit sacrilege? Uh, thou uh, that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed amongst the Gentiles through you, as it is written, for circumcision verily profiteth uh, if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made Uncircumcision. He said, hey look, the purpose of the circumcision all the way back in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis was to set you apart uh, so that you would keep the law of God. But if you're going to break the laws of God, then that circumcision is become Uncircumcision, And if you think somehow that you're justified through some fleshly circumcision, then my friend, if that's where you're placing the faith, then you're uncircumcised in your heart. And Paul would use that phrase multiple times as he addressed different churches. So here's the point I want to make tonight. Those who ignored the Creator, Romans 1, 16-32, the Bible declares them as guilty. Those who idolize Judaism... Before we put the next slide up, I want you to understand this. To whom much is given, finish the verse. Much shall be required. I would say the Jews were exposed to truth. Much longer than the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles were guilty. Not only was it the Gentiles, some Jews were guilty of Romans 1, 16 through 32. But Romans, Romans 1 is aimed at the Gentiles. Romans 2 is aimed at the Jews. And because they were exposed to the truth longer and not living within it, uh, those who idolize Judaism and hold the truth and unrighteousness in that way, uh, they are more guilty. They're more guilty. Because to whom much is given, much shall be required. So Paul takes the time to lay out to both the Gentiles and the Jews that they're stuck. They're stuck. They're trapped. They're trapped through their own sin. And then he lays out, letter B, our redemption. Our redemption. I need to get through this before the end of the night, so we're going to move quickly here. Under our redemption, notice first, our propitiation. Turn over to chapter 3, verse 25. I've done sermons uh, in the month of February on uh, the, the doctrines of salvation. And we covered quite a bit of this. And we'll be hitting it more next, uh, the next couple of Wednesdays. But So I'll, I'll be uh, somewhat brief here. Our uh, Notice here in verse 25 of Romans uh, chapter 3, the Bible says... Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God. Now, this is really neat, all right? Let me define for you a couple words here. First, the word propitiate. The word propitiate means to make favorably inclined, appease, conciliate. Conciliate, all right? Uh, That word conciliate, to overcome the distrust or hostility of. Placate, whenever. Go back to the definition of, um, uh, uh, was it propitiate? There it is. Okay. To make favorably inclined, appease, uh, conciliate. Who needed to be appeased on our behalf? God and his wrath, which was laid out in Romans 1. The passion, the righteousness of God. Don't miss this. The righteousness of God drove... The wrath toward our sin. He's so righteous that he hates our sin. Romans 1, 16 through 32 articulates the sin of the Gentile nations. Romans 2 through uh, the beginning of Romans 3 articulates the sin of the Jewish nation. Shows that we're stuck. Shows that we're trapped behind the wrath of God. That's where Paul steps in and says, but... There is a propitiator. There is someone who's come between you and God's wrath and has appeased the wrath of God and made him favorably inclined. He has conciliated. Who is that person? It's Jesus Christ. Look back back at verse 25 with that in mind. Whom God hath set forth, speaking of Jesus, to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Notice next, our justification. Our justification. And that word justify means to declare righteous. To declare righteous. We talked about that being a court term. We stood before God guilty, and, and Jesus laid our, or his righteousness on our record. And because of that, now God looks at us and declares us righteous. Let me give you three uh, ways that, uh, or or three things that come about because we are justified in Christ. Quickly, here they are. Uh, And and there was no room to put these on your outline, so you can add these below or find a spot to write these in. Notice here, a new status, a new status. This means that we're right with God and forgiven. Look at chapter 3, verse 24 again. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption. That's that new status. We're redeemed. Through the redemption, through that forgiveness, we have found a new footing in Jesus. And if you want to alliterate, see, uh, your preacher loves to alliterate. I, I didn't put footing here because I didn't think it was true to what I was trying to say. But footing would have alliterated this, all right? I, I, I fought the urge, but I'm, now I'm, I'm losing the, the fight. Uh, the next one here is new family. A new family. Look at verse 28 and 29. Boy, this is something to get excited about. Because we were pinned behind the wrath of God, and now we're justified. We've got a new footing in Christ. We've got a new family in Christ. Look at verse 28. Therefore, we conclude... That a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Uh, is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the uh, uh, of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. If this was a Jewish man standing up in the church of Rome reading this to the church, I bet he probably wanted to melt behind the pulpit right here. Yes, of the Gentiles also. And this side of the auditorium stood up and said, ah. yeah, See, it's for us too. Let me show you this family thing. Look over at chapter 4 and verse number 3. It says, Therefore, whom saith the scripture, Abraham believed God and was counted to him for righteousness. Now, interesting enough about Abraham, Abraham at this point had not been circumcised. So you see what uh, Paul's doing here? He's going back prior to circumcision. He's saying Paul was not justified because of his keeping of some law. Paul was justified, Paul was justified because of his faith. Look at verse 10 and 11. Don't close your Bibles yet. We're not done. I'm I'm almost done. Look at verse 10. Who it was reckoned when uh, he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision. Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet uh, being uncircumcised. So The faith came when he was uncircumcised. Well, look at here that he might be the father of all them that believe, uh, uh, through uh, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Paul's saying here that Abraham is the father of all nations, and once you put your faith in Jesus. You're justified, and you become part of the family of Abraham, Jew or Gentile. And then the last thing here, uh, so new new status or footing, new family in the new future, a new future. What is your future once you've been uh, propitiated and justified? What is that? It's to be transformed in Christ. It's that sanctification process where you're made into the image of Jesus. Are you are you being transformed in Jesus? Is he making you into that image and likeness? I hope so. Amen. We'll continue on looking at uh, chapters 5 through the end of the book beginning next week. We have three more main points to cover. I hope you'll be here, be in your place. Let's stand to be dismissed with a word of prayer tonight. I hope you uh, have uh, grown in your knowledge of God's word and that will unify you with the, your, your fellow believers in Christ. We'll pray and we'll be dismissed tonight. Uh, before we do uh, pray, nursery workers... Don't forget about our appreciation dinner this Friday at 6 o'clock at Cheryl Smith's House. Be there. Men, we got that We got steak out this Saturday at 1230. Come bring your appetites. If you haven't signed up, please sign up. Like all the men in the church can to participate, and we'll have a good time. And then, Angela, is there going to be someone to receive money tonight for the ladies' event? Ladies, if you haven't signed up for the World of Redeemed, hold on. I really want to say this. Please listen. Please hear me. We want you to dress up if you can, but you're not required. If you don't, there will be several others that don't. We still want you to come, so don't let the dressing up or not dressing up hinder your coming. Please, 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 please sign up and go. We want every, hear me, we want every lady in the church to attend, every single one. So uh, so sign up and pay in the lobby. If you're not prepared to do that tonight, come Sunday ready to do that. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be unified through our understanding of the Bible. Help us, Lord, to um, appreciate the fact that your wrath has been removed off of us because of the great sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you that we have been uh, redeemed, pardoned, Added to the family of Abraham, and we haven't. An, we, we are part of that covenant. We are part of the family of God. Bless us as we go our separate ways. Renew us as we go uh, to work tomorrow. And help us to be shining lights of truth in a dark world. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Hopefully Sunday, if not before. You're dismissed.